Ladies and gentlemen, prepare for liftoff. Welcome back to Liftoff. My name is Tony Dosat. And I am Peter Clayman. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. You know, it's like morning. these morning records where we're just like sort of in it and sort of out of it. And I'm Peter Clayman. Anyway, so today is exciting. We have the Director of Digital Health and Marketing at Baylor Scott & White Health. This man is the man and his name is also really incredible. It's Brandon Manius. Brandon, what's up? Good morning. Good good morning, guys. How are we doing on a Tuesday early morning? We're kicking it. We are kicking yeah. it. Peter had his his tea. He went for his nature walk. Yep. Peter Peter Did is my in, vocal warm ups. Yeah, his I was trills. Sitting around going fa la 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 la. You know. I, I'm hoping that you were doing some Ron Burgundy. Um, yeah. You know, unique New York, you know, some. Uh, oh, no. my Brandon, you have I got to watch that again. Yes, that's going to be my new inner channel spirit before we do lift off recordings from now there, on. There you go. <laughs> so, Brandon, here we are. It's 2020. There's some kooky stuff that's happened and been happening in a lot of different industries. But I think before we get into anything involving anything. Can you please describe something for us, which is when I see a title that says Director of Digital Health and Marketing, Baylor Scott and White Health, I think we should first take a step back and define what it is that digital health is. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, we, we get that quite often. Um, I think it, it we coin it like the most ambiguous term in healthcare right now. That's fair enough. Um, the, the first thing we do when we when we try to describe that uh, either internally or externally, uh, I think we kind of raise it up a level and say, what does it mean to be a digital company uh, just in general? Mm. And if you look at the most successful companies right now, you know, your Amazons, your Googles, right? So you say all of those have something in common and it, it essentially boils to, I, I would say three or four things. Um, we can argue about the fourth, but I think the, oh. the three that you see uh, the most common would be number one is they obsess with the, this obsess over the consumer. They're always looking at how do I capture market share? How do I convert? Two would be they reimagine and they question everything. That is like, why is it done this way? Should it be done this way? Can we make it better? Right. And the third thing would be they're all of them, all every single one of them are leveraging some type of advanced technology to accelerate their delivery of whatever product it is. Right. They're not fumbling on old processors like they're OK, let's invest here to be faster, quicker, get more time consumer. The fourth one. And I think it, you can say, well, it doesn't just about anything, but I think it is execution. By the way, I argued against this being included in our definition to begin with. But then as I evolve my thinking, I think it makes more sense, particularly particularly in healthcare. We have in healthcare, we are a fan of rolling out project plans that take 18 months to deliver anything. And I think if you look at what these digital tech companies are doing, they're deploying products uh, what we call minimum lovable products in a shorter time period. They're getting it out to market. It doesn't have to be 100%, you know, 100% of where they want it to be. And then they're testing and iterating off of that. So we're, that's for us, like, that's how we want to be. Like, we want to be more agile in our 
and our delivery method and our execution method. It's so, so interesting you, you didn't say efficiency. Because if I think efficient. about digital firms, I think about a focus on always becoming more efficient. And that's like, it goes back to Moore's law, like all the way back to the beginnings of the technology business. Always a focus on getting more out of less. Yeah, and I think that becomes even more important in healthcare. We have plenty of doctors, don't we? We have plenty of doctors. We have plenty of plenty of funding, apparently. Yeah, you know, people love spending our- a lot of money on healthcare. <laughs> And not getting a big bang for our buck either. That's my favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're, but I think you're right about efficiency, right? I think, you know, on that kind of same vein, maybe indirectly related to that, you know, with this whole COVID, right? And, and us being remote and, and stuffed in our homes, we quickly realized uh, that there was an opportunity for our team to advance our, our video visit platform. And so we developed uh, a, a video visit solution from our homes, right? We're not in a room whiteboarding, right? We're doing this all remotely in four months. Like we started in March and we released this in like a pilot in late July. And now it's net new, it's going to market. And, you know, I think that's just saying like, talk about efficiency, right? Like leveraging the resources we have, and being well, by the way, I was a huge opponent for working remotely. Like I thought you had to do innovation in a, in a, in a conference room. Boy, was I wrong. Um, and mm. boy, do I sing a different tune now. So, um, yeah, I think efficiency right? is, is, oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. We used to get out of our box and drive to another box in a box <laughs> to, to try to box. think outside of that box. <laughs> yeah. I, so many unnecessary boxes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brandon, I have two questions. The yep. first is just for some of our listeners who don't know Bill or Scott and White Health, can you just give a little bit of an overview of the scale of the operation, kind of what you do? And then I'd love to talk a little bit about your video visit platform as well once we kind of have that context. Yeah, yeah. So, so we are $10 billion system. So, we're not small in terms of revenue. We, we operate in, I would say, two major markets, um, the Metroplex, uh, Austin, Round Rock area, and then we have a big hub in Temple. Just for further context, sorry to interrupt you. International listeners, we're talking about Texas. (laughs) It's the, it's the place that everybody thinks we're riding horses and we do. doing the thing yeah and just so you know two places in two metro centers in texas a healthcare system create 10 billion dollars of revenue annually so that's insane wow yeah. that's insane yeah. uh, i do have a meeting on friday in austin i'm going to leave after lunch today because it's going to take my horse you know a couple of days ride <laughs> to get down to austin. So, uh, oh. the stereotypes are true See, yeah that's good happened. i've been in texas for a long time now and that Joke still landed, Brandon. So good. Good on you. <laughs> All right. So, Brandon, uh, you know, we'd love to know. Everybody always talks about failing fast. Everybody talks about rolling things out, minimum lovable products. What we don't ever talk about is those comments that you get back where you you look at the comment, you're like, man, they are so right. And we totally missed the boat on that one. Can you give us one example of something that you've learned by rolling out the video platform where it was feedback that you were like, man, that's spot on. V2 is going to have that. Can't believe we missed it first go around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is like our second dip 
into releasing video. The, I'll go into the first one, right? And which was actually, it's funny because there was a gap between the first video and the second go at this. And it's actually a pretty, pretty significant gap. We're talking about years, but the first one, right? We, um, I'll give you a context for like how like you're going to beat your head against the wall. When I explain how you had to launch this, like you're like, how in the world is that ever like consumer oriented? But so we had our own app, right? And then we partnered with a company who will remain nameless. Uh, and the way you had to launch a video visit was you go into our app, then we would pass a, a token onto their app and we would, you would leave our app. We had to launch their app, didn't have their app. You'd have to go download the app. Then you'd lose context. So you know how many we did like a matter of six months? I think we did like two and two of those were me. And so, <laughs> and even I had to call the doctor the, after the second time be like, Hey, I'm, I'm in the waiting room. Like, are you going to, yeah. So needless to say, I was probably our worst critic because no one else used it. So I was that guy that's like, this sucks. Obviously we've matured significantly and have built some great products. Uh, this new solution is, is pretty slick. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of, the space is is oversaturated now, so you've got a lot of people to learn from and what to, what to do well and what what you can pick from. So, uh, but we've evolved for sure, and I, I'm excited about where we're gonna where we're gonna take this in the next twelve months. I like that. I have a little question here, and it ties back a little bit to that when we were talking about what does it mean to be digital and what is digital health. Is there a way to measure digital health inside of an organization or a company? Ooh, hmm, that's a Great question, Tony. I'm going to say to me you don't necessarily measure digital. Um, I think the way we orient to, I think this would be uh, maybe another way I would answer the question is like, how do you orient to success? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think for us, there's a, a fine line in digital and innovation for that matter that says, I'm going to go chase this shiny object, right? There's this robot that can be deployed who can deliver coffee to every single patient in the hospital. Like, does that truly change cost? Does that quality outcomes? Like, is, maybe it makes it a little more convenient. Uh, so the way we index, right, the way we focus on um, how we evaluate success is like, I, I'm going to go back and I, I, um, I promised I wasn't going to use this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, but you know, it, it is the healthcare term of, of quadruple aim, right? It is the reducing costs. You know, are we, are we improving the health of our population? Are we improving the patient experience? Are we improving with the new one, right? Is, is, uh, used to be triple aim. Now it's quad, uh, it's the staff, right? Um, a lot Glad of they put that in there, man, look at, Look at our healthcare system it, getting progressive and understanding that ROI and internal investments, <laughs> the highest their digital properties. You, you know, Peter, we joke that we say, uh, you know, if if you want to see what's going to happen in healthcare, look back 10 years, you know, or look forward, like whatever's happening now is going to happen in healthcare in 10 years. Yeah, the, it, it's sad that we move at snail's pace. And actually, we, I was joking with my wife, I had to go renew my license just recently. And the online experience with our Department of Transportation was better and more efficient than what we currently experience in healthcare. 
And I step back. Oh man, like, that's a rough bench. Now I just we need to sit on that because yeah. That... Now let's just pause this recording for a second. <laughs> when you benchmark yourself breathe. against the government and you don't have the government of Estonia, it's a pretty rough benchmark. Oh, dude, it's painful. it's not it's not what you want to be doing. That is not what you strive to be, right? That just goes to show you. Uh, when people tell us like, "Hey, what are you working on?" I'm like, "What is there not to work on in healthcare?" Like. How does things come to you? Just reach your arm out and hook you and you're going to grab a dozen things that you can go fix. Since 2008, Bottle Rocket has been helping companies acquire more, engage deeper, and grow faster than their competitors. Industry leaders like Southwest Airlines, Chick-fil-A, MoneyGram, and Frito-Lay trust Bottle Rocket to provide business strategy, product management, experience design, product growth, and technology services that drive business results and solve unmet customer needs. To learn more about Bottle Rocket and subscribe to the newsletter, visit BottleRocketStudios.com. I have a million questions for you, Brandon, but I'd like to start with something that we're very familiar with, which is there is so much that could be addressed when it comes to digital health. How do you think about your patient and your staff journeys? And how do you find those key friction areas to focus effort and exploration on before you even get to development, right? Just just from the front side, because I don't know about you, but like, I definitely wouldn't want to get a push notification and say, hey, you have stage two pancreatic cancer. <laughs> like, hey, so glad that you're name. I'd like someone to call me. But like, that's a, 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 you know, on the nose example, but there definitely are moments where you have to leverage humans there are definitely moments where you can leverage machines. How do you think through all of that? I would say, uh, Peter, the, you know, the, the first thing we do before we start any project uh, or develop any product is it's, it's simple for us. And it's what's the problem statement? I know that sounds very consultant oriented, but I, for us, it's been very successful. If you don't come with a strong why, then it's going to die. And so if we can at least start there, and then it moves into, okay, right now we have the why, let's get to the what, and then let's get to the how. Specifically, some tactics that we've found to be very successful uh, for us in, in our app, uh, MyBSW Health, is, is, is probably a good use case in, in deploying these consumer-oriented uh, research tactics. So we do a lot of qualitative, we do some quantitative studies. Uh, we do a lot of consumer journey maps. We did a lot of consumer journey maps. Um, I'm a big fan of those, those immersive experiences and in, in research. And we found out a lot about our patients by, by doing those things. Um, one specific use case I love to talk about is uh, scheduling. Like that's the hardest thing it feels like in healthcare just to even see somebody. And we spent time looking at that workflow and saying, okay, coming to us, what are you experiencing? So, you know, we always pick, pick the, the mother as kind of, if we can win the mother, if we can orient to the mother in the household, right? The mom's probably waking up, right? It's, let's say she's the one who is not, well, right? And then uh, she's got three kids that she's got to send in three directions, She's got a husband that she may have to like push out the door to get to work. And so she's already like running at full speed. The last thing she wants to do is open up an app that has 12 steps to schedule an appointment. 
I mean, you know, she may say, like, I just want to do an e-visit or, uh, or I want to do just telehealth, right? I may just want to do telehealth. I don't want to go sit in a, uh, a waiting room. So, you know, what we did is we just obsessed over that, that, that experience and say, we have like 12 steps when this could be, when this could be done in three. And so we did, we did exactly that. Uh, we, we simplified the process through three steps. As a matter of fact, after we did that, we saw like this hockey stick <clears throat> turn in the number of appointments scheduled online. Uh, we actually made it over simplified. We had too many people like scheduling appointments and they're like, Oh crap, did I just get an appointment? And because it was three steps, we actually had to go back and add a fourth step. Uh, it's your confirmation page, if you will, right? Like, are you sure you want to check out uh, and purchase this item? And so once we did that, we saw a reduction in no no share rates. Um, but just things like that. Again, we overcomplicate in, in healthcare. It's interesting that you said, you know, adding that step. Sometimes you have to add some friction in order to make an experience right. And it's it's an interesting process. Your answer kind of segues nicely into, well, how the hell can digital help fix healthcare? It's a big yeah. question. That's a big question. <laughs> <clears throat> There's a couple of things I think of when people ask that question. I think about efficiency, right? What we talked about earlier. Technology just makes us when leveraged correctly, right? I should add that caveat when leveraged correctly makes us more efficient, which in turn allows for humans to be like, if I'm doing a mundane task, Tony, and I'm like doing it over and over again, and that's something that I could have, have automated and then free up that individual to think more creatively, like, go spend more time on complex tasks and see if we can find ways to improve that. Mm. Um, so it's not necessarily like, you know, replacing individuals it's augmenting their ability to do better in their jobs, uh, to perform better in their jobs. <clears throat> so I think that's one way, but cost, like, I think if you just look, we just we're wasteful in healthcare, like healthcare makes up what 20% of our gross domestic product. Like, wow. I was just about to say that it's a ridiculous wow. number. Wow. It's a, for the quality of care outcome, the amount yeah. of money we spend in the United States is absurd, unbelievable. And the other, the other part of this problem is probably, you know, the actual consumers of healthcare, us, right? You know, us, we have these running lists of ICD-10 codes that we think are, you know, jokes because we say, well, it's all on the healthcare systems. Like the healthcare system needs to be better. Well, we as consumers of healthcare also need to be smarter uh, in how we navigate healthcare. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with two that I think are just interesting, right? These are actually billable codes. So like, Peter, don't do these, uh, but these are things that have happened to people. So there's one that's called, it's, uh, I won't read the code because it doesn't matter, but it's sucked into a jet engine, subsequent encounter. So that, that you, you know what that means, right? That, that happened twice, right? That's a code. And in healthcare, that's how we, that's how complex we get. The other one common is, issue. Uh, yeah. I know yeah, six of those people. Yep. Yeah. Right. The, the other one is, is into uh, a jet engine. Subsequently. Subsequently. So second time. <laughs> second time. I could understand that in, in the Navy as they run aircraft carriers. And it's maybe, you know, once every 10 years that that happens once. Yeah. Yeah. You should learn after the first time not to get that close to the jet engine. The question is, how did you survive the first one? Like, are you I'm Iron kind Man? of impressed? Like, yeah. 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 
Not, and you were sucked into it. It's not a prop plane. It's a it's a real turbine. It's a jet engine turbine. Yeah, but yeah, I mean the the other one I, I just don't understand this either. It's a burn due to water skis on fire. Like that's uh, again a billable. I see did 10 code. It's happened, right? These are things that happen. Even as adults, we're still we're still learning how to navigate healthcare. It's evolving and we're still learning how to navigate. I mean, I had an unfortunate event of tearing both ACLs uh in right before COVID hit Ooh. and taking a step back uh and saying like, oh crap, now I actually have to use the tools that I created uh, and we're really gonna test out how uh, successful this is. And I'm an, I'm an informed healthcare consumer, right? I, I know where to go. And even at, even at those times, there's still ambiguity and like, okay, I know that the right step for me is to go to my primary care doctor. Like we, we try to preach that uh, in our system, like you're, your primary care, or your family doc has to be what we call the quarterback of care, right? Uh, and then they should be able to say, no, Brandon, you just have a sprained knee, go home and ice it, rest it, elevate it, uh, and, and, and move on with life. Or, hey, your kneecap is shifting pretty significantly. You got an orthopedic specialist. And so like, that's, you know, how we should evolve into that, right? And so um, we've got to get better at knowing where to start knowing where to go second uh and then you know asking the right questions like this is where probably where the payer comes into play here too which is you know how uh how much is this going to cost right what's the bull and uh just being more informed about where do i go to stay in network right what is going to be and then the charges that's a whole another conversation a lot of times like pulling a slot machine you just really don't know what you're going to get um, oh, right. go there. let's not talk about pricing transparency. That'll take <laughs> yeah. 64,000 hours. <laughs> I do have a final question for you. And it's a question that we ask every guest, which is, I let Peter ask this last time and he just butchered it. So I'm going to ask it again. <laughs> it was so bad. I, I, so, I have to practice it at home before I'm ready for prime time again. He's going to have to listen here. And then, okay. So what, non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Tony, that is a phenomenal question. Um, you know, I would say, I would say it probably evolves. Um, and I'm a, I'm a flavor of the moment kind of guy, uh, right now, and it's not what's affected my life the most, but I wouldn't have gotten through this podcast if it wasn't for this, but it's this French press that I am obsessed Ooh. with right now. And I was always a, I've never, I'm not a coffee snob. Like I, you know, but man, once you are, there's no going back. I am. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, yeah, so am I. I'm so rooted. Like I'm a geek. Like I'll get on YouTube and like watch baristas make French press. And yeah, yeah. my wife is like, don't you just need to put the grinds in there? I'm like, no, you got to warm up the French press. You got to dump that out. You got to let it sit for two and a half to three minutes. Then you got to pump it. And she's like, you're odd. And I'm like, no, this coffee is just like, you're <laughs> going to appreciate this later in the day. Yeah, I just spent my kid's college tuition on an espresso machine. Um, now that we're all working, and from you home think he's joking, but he is not. <laughs> he's not joking. 
was that pre-COVID, Tony, or is that no? That uh, was that, that was after we announced uh, <laughs> that Bottle Rocket was going to be work from wherever company. Um, yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> I gotta make this. And the uh, best part, there's a Slack channel in Bottle Rocket called coffee talk and tony just low-key posts oh yeah bought this new toy <laughs> and it's like a an industrial grade espresso machine i mean we're talking barista <laughs> quality yeah tony walks I mean, into a slack channel drops the mic and, and the leaves like yeah like oh what grinder would you pair with this machine you know <laughs> yeah okay yeah. i'm not i respect your answer and it obviously sparked a passion between all of us. Oh, so I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, you have to make me level up to your level. I've got a ways to go to get to, you know, level whatever you're at, 150. Well, yeah. I so appreciate you coming on and being part of our chat today. I think that this has been a really interesting, really dynamic conversation. And I know the listeners are going to think the same. So thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was fun.